0: going on everyone welcome back to the call-up presented by triple play fantasy we are in week 16 of the call-up and we've got a lot of fun players to talk about and you guys know we got the normal cast and crew here we've got the time traveler we've got baby huey and we still have to figure out josh's nickname that is something to be determined maybe in the comments below give us a fun nickname for josh because i think we need to uh keep the nickname flow going here but first mike how are you doing tonight
1: Hey guys, glad to be back with you. We have a repeat of last week's cruise. Josh transitions into the host role. I'm a little sad that Mendy has to step away with, but the birth of a child seems like a legitimate reason. We'll do our best to keep our childlike essence while Mendy's being an adult. How's it going, Vinny?
2: Going good. You know, keeping up minor league baseball, slowly, very slowly watching my fantasy teams wither away onto the DL, but you know, trying to keep it in there for the final, uh, Second half push pretty much. We're only a couple weeks away from the end of the minor league season.
0: Vinny, you're sp- <laughs> you're you last oh! Josh, <laughs> how are you doing? Oh man,
3: I
2: keep on forgetting it. What's
3: especially crazy about this is I when I hopped into the stream yard for us to record immediately. I'm I'm just getting set up. Vinny's like, Hey Josh, are you excited for Chris Sale to get injured again today? It's <laughs> just like he was right down my throat when I jumped in. I thought he was gonna give me the same same uh, joke when I hopped in here, but um, yeah, I'm do- doing well.
0: <laughs> Vinny woke up and chose violence today. Oh, I indeed did today. Um, but yeah, we're excited to give you guys another great week of all the call-up stuff on this show that you expect every single week here. Uh, but again, as Vinny mentioned, there is a few more weeks left of the minor league season. But don't worry, all off-season, we will be here in some way, shape, or form to give you guys plenty of great off-season topics to give you for your dynasty leagues. So we'll have drafts. We'll have so much going on. So don't worry, just because the season might be winding down does not mean this show will stop running on the tracks here. So let's kick things off here as we do every single week for the call up with our players of the week. We're going to start out here with Vinny's guy, Mr. Brannigan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, third baseman, 21 plate appearances over the last week, 429, 440, 440. 12 38 triple slash with five home runs over the last week. Shocker that he is a player of the week candidate with those type of numbers. And in 22 years of age between two levels this season, a 274 batting average, 14 homers and 21 steals with a 313 ISO. Vinny, the Pittsburgh Pirates are building up that farm system nicely. Obviously, they just drafted Skeens. They got Brannigan and they've got a lot of the other pieces they've brought up this season. Uh, so tell us, what do the Pittsburgh Pirates have in this young man?
2: Yeah, man, <clears throat> Jack Branigan really came out of nowhere this year. Like coming out of you know the twenty twenty two draft, he was a fifth round pick out of Notre Dame. I've seen him a bunch, local to uh, local to Illinois, but he's just really unlocked this this power that I don't think anyone saw with him. Like we're talking about, he's probably you know, going to end the season as a 2020 guy while keeping very good average walking decently. The strikeouts are a little high, but not to the point where I'm too concerned. Like the ISO is really good. Like we're talking about a guy that can play third base, second base. Like he's very good defensively. <clears throat> like I was telling Mike earlier uh, before we were on, like I get like these JJ Hardy type of vibes from him. Like, Oh, a,
0: I like that comparison.
2: Like a very good, not a superstar, but a very good, consistent producer that plays middle infield. And you know the Pirates love these type of guys. You know Tamar Johnson. You know they they have a they have a track record of loving these guys. Like if we go back even farther, like Kevin Newman. Like this is their almost kind of niche type of player that they like drafting. And I don't know what stops him from potentially making a, a little appearance at Double A this year. Like the the timetable could be late next year, maybe early 2026, like he's really caught my attention. He's one of these guys that really just like, I had nothing focused on him and then he's just caught my attention.
0: So he is third listed as third base. I'm looking at just their prospect list and he is not as high up as I was expecting. He might be obviously like you mentioned, Tamar Johnson is there and Rodriguez is now in the bigs. Obviously, uh, also Henry Davis, now also with the big league club. Nick Gonzalez has gotten a taste of time in the big leagues. Where would you rank him on their prospect list of players that have not debuted?
2: Probably in the teens. I, You know, this is... He really started just blowing up the past couple of months. Like, last uh, July, handed it with a 345 average, 406 obp and a 655 slug like the month before that he was batting 247 so he's really mm-hmm. come to life here late in the season And he's just on a tear right now because we're so far what like i think we're eight nine games through august he's already at 325 375 844 slug like he's really hitting the ball right now and You know, maybe I said we might see him in double A here pretty soon. Like he's a guy that you really want to start looking into because he's pretty much dirt cheap, if not even rostered. Maybe take a flyer on Dynasty because the hit tool is looking pretty, pretty good. Vinny, I have to
3: say this is the when I got the rundown, the list of players that we'd be covering today. This is the one guy I had never heard of. So. The first thing I did, of course, before doing any research because I just trust you guys that much, I just searched him in my 30 team league to see if he was <laughs> rostered. Unfortunately, we have a lot of pirates fans in the in the league, so he was. but I clicked on him and then and the note from from uh, fan track says let, let me just read a quick note from him. It says he's shown intriguing stuff on the mound, including a high 90s heater and an impressive slider. though he he wants to hit and may play some third base to begin his professional career. So uh, this guy was, I mean, it's so far off the radar. This thing's still talking about him as a pitcher. Is that something he's
2: completely abandoned? Yeah, it's completely abandoned. Let me tell you, when I watched him last year at Notre Dame, he was a lot better on the mound. Like this was not, this is not the same Jack Brannigan I saw last year playing infield slash pitching at Notre Dame. Like getting into an organization really helped him like, You know, everyone loves to knock the Pirates for their player development, but he's looking like a success story fairly early, too.
0: Yeah. Now, I got to ask you, Josh, you wore Pittsburgh Pirates clothing. No. No. Was that on purpose? I am not
3: wearing... Pittsburgh, uh, it looks like if
0: you can't see Boston, I would have thought that was Pittsburgh pirates gear.
3: I am. We, I am. I, you know, my comeback I had prepared after Vinny ambushed me the first time I hopped into the the call today is, uh, I was going to say that's, that's red Sox, Chris sale. We are now the yellow Sox, uh, as the yellow Sox, anyone want to, anyone want to take a stab at the yellow Sox record? What is their record when, when the red Sox are wearing their yellow jerseys? 24 and 5, I believe. Oh. So uh we are no longer the Boston Red Sox, we are the Boston Yellow Sox, and I will be wearing Pittsburgh Pirates colors (laughs) (laughs) until you uh until you see them losing some games
2: in the jersey. But Josh, what's the record of the Boston miss the playoff (laughs) socks?
3: What is this anything? Next player, next player.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mike with all these hits that Vinny is giving to Josh here we could let's talk about a player that's been hitting for the Texas Rangers and Wyatt Lankford outfield prospect for them 21 years of age split between two levels this season right now in high a 47 plate appearances a 395 511 816 triple slash with two homers and three stolen bases 438 iso but you love to see that 17% walk rate The Texas Rangers, I think, have somebody on here every week. They are just loaded, and they have such a great big league club in terms of the amount of hitting that they have. Uh, But Wyatt Langford is not somebody I think we've talked about in depth as much as other players in that system. So tell the audience about Wyatt Langford.
1: Yeah, so this is a player from this recent draft class. I didn't intend on going to this draft class so early, particularly since we're going to be covering it in the offseason, but his early performance is screaming for attention, and I know there are a lot of dynasty leagues out there that play open universe or have their FYPD drafts much earlier. So I think they'll appreciate the early breakdown. Um, Lankford was picked fourth overall in 2023 out of Florida. He's listed at 6'1, 225 and he looks very muscular and athletic led the sec with 26 home runs as a sophomore. He also hit a game tying 456 foot home run in the bottom of the ninth of the, during the college world series game this year. So he ended up slashing 365, 495, 763 with 19 homers and nine steals, more walks and strikeouts as a junior. He played left field, but there's a good chance he'll be developed as a center fielder. And I think his speed and athleticism should allow that transition to happen smoothly. Worst case, they slide him back to left. Scouting grades, he's listed with an average hit tool, which seems harsh to me from my early looks. Double plus raw power and double plus speed. Clearly the power speed potentials there that we all covet. If these are accurate or even close, I'd expect him to be one of the best power speed threats long-term from this class. I think maybe the plus speeds more accurate, but we'll see. double plus speeds a lot. I, I'm not sure he's, he's that fast, but we'll find out considering a lot of players with these immense tools traditionally have even an even shakier hit tool. gives me a lot more confidence in reaching the threshold needed to become a regular. They won't hurt you in any category. As for his overall value, I've already seen him inside the top 10 on some lists, and after digging into everything, the scouting grades, watching some film, and just projecting his fantasy profile, I can't disagree with that. You know, There's a lot of hype surrounding players like Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, for good reason, but I very much consider myself one of the people that has Langford in that same elite tier. He's not going to be a cheap to acquire at this stage, but I would make every reasonable effort to try to land the number three pick in the upcoming FYPDs this year. Strategically, you insure yourself Cruz, Langford, or Skeens, who I have in their tier above those prep bats right now, uh, Max Clark and Walker Jenkins. And from everything I can gather, particularly from prospect analysts I respect, Langford profiles as an extremely advanced college bat that would be one of the first from the class to arrive to the majors. And he may have been the number one overall pick in, in different drafts. Essentially, he's a 1-1 FIPD talent that you can get at 1-3 because the two players above him have more hype. So this is what I want from an FYPD pick, a top 10 prospect right out the gate, quick to the majors, power, speed, threat. So he should have a long, productive career.
3: Michael, I'm going to put you on, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I think you you did a great job explaining why you want pick one, three, because you're really getting one, one talent at the third pick when you're, you know, it's, it's probably not as hard to get your hands on one, three as it would be one, one, let's say, you do have one, one and you're unable to trade back. Is it, or is it still too early in the process for you to know who you take there? Or or do you have an idea?
1: Yeah, for me, it's probably too early to give you an answer on the spot, but my first thought that came in my head was more about the format I'm playing. If it's a pitcher heavy thing, I would go with Skeens. If it's hitter thing, I would just look at the two. I think you can make a case for him over, over Cruz though. Especially with the, when you factor in the organization, because Texas is a lot better than Washington right now. All right, fair enough. Then let's move on to the pitchers.
0: And Vinny, we really got to talk about Chicago White Sox with everything going on right now. I guess we are, because Noah Schultz of the Chicago White Sox, lefty in their organization in A-ball over the last week, four innings, eight strikeouts. And on the 2023 season, 23.2 innings pitch with a 1.52 ERA and .76 whip. Thirty-three strikeouts to go along with that. There, the White Sox need help in every single way possible, Vinny. So I think any White Sox fans that are listening are definitely need to hear some positive news of somebody in their organization right now.
2: Yes, Schultz is a local kid for me. He grew up down the street and played baseball at Oswego East. So I've had eyes on him since 2021. And you know, newest update for you know Baseball America and MLB Pipeline, like he's an inside top 40 prospect in baseball now and i i agree with 100 like it's very rarely i can remember i can remember personally that i've seen a pitcher make nothing but big strides all the way up like i remember this kid back in 2021 you know struggling to hit high 80s he won well, he goes to the under armor all-american game that year later that year like four or five months later he's you know, in the 90s. Going into 2022, saw him again consistently hitting 90. It was only one start. He did have mono, but he finished the year playing for the Danville uh, uh, Pistols. But, like, we're talking about a kid who is ni- uh, 20 years old right now. He's 6'9", and has some of the nastiest stuff in the minor leagues. And we're looking at early success from a team that has been very, very, very bad at developing pitching which also goes to the point of he's going to be more of his stuff it's going to be based more on how he performs than how the organization helps him
0: did i hear you right that he's 6'9
2: he is 6'9 i would say he's probably even 6'10 in cleats like he is a massive person he is so like, he's like
0: a john Rouch.
2: he is like a sean jelly chris young type of guy he is massive and you know he's still young enough like we could still see the velo uptake like his 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 breaking ball stuff is just absolutely mind-boggling plus his arm angle is so deceptive you know he does get comps to chris sale which oh, that's know, so I,
0: dangerous yeah
2: it's it's understandable because if you watch him pitch yes the arm angle is very similar to chris sale but like if we're talking about the arsenal that he possesses, like I would say he has a better arsenal than Chris Sale had when he came out, and he was a college guy.
3: The the Chris Sale shots today are out of control for me. Yeah. We we need to we need to put a reprimand on you for yeah.
1: ricochet I would like shot after
3: ricochet shot. But that you're t- you're telling me we got a 6'9 lefty with. Chris sales arm slot and deception with nasty stuff and control. I
2: I mean, this guy, he sounds like a stud. We're talking about he, if we're to, I don't know, it's different with each publication, but one consistent thing I do see is that he has a 65 to 70 grade slider on top of a 55 fastball and a 55 changeup with 50 control, which easily I think he possesses 55 control. That's a three super plus pitch mix. Like, mm-hmm. so Vinny, I think this is one
1: of the best pitchers to target right now in yes. dynasty, just with the combination and, of his upside and the lack of hype.
2: And he is starting to get a lot of hype. So, I your your window with getting him is running out very quickly. I don't think we see him in double A or double uh, A. I don't think we see him get bumped to high this year, but I wouldn't rule it out at all because they've had him on a very strict pitch limit this year you know he's pushing 24 you know innings pitched right now in 9 games started so maybe they get a little uh get a little weary and maybe shut him down the last couple of weeks but what what we have seen from him is pretty pretty nuts comparing of like how we've been getting enamored over pitching prospects the past couple of years
0: i just don't like that you dismissed my player comp so quickly last week you dismissed my james loney comp this week, you just missed my John Rouch comp. John Rauch. I'm pulling these names out of nowhere, and I get no like no celebration. <laughs> I get no acknowledgement, no nothing.
2: It's okay. I made up I uh, made up with it with the J.J. Hardy comp. So. Yeah, I,
0: that was a good one. I like that. <laughs> and there, people like the nostalgia as much as the comparisons, right? Like hearing those names. Yeah. Uh, but I, we talked about from one stud here in Noah Schultz, you can't spell stud without Ricky Tita stud. Ricky Teeterman, to be exact, of the Toronto Blue Jays. You already know one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. He'd be pitching probably in the big leagues this season if he had been healthy all year. But 20.2 innings, 41 strikeouts, a 305 ERA and .87 whip. Only uh, a 51.3% K rates out of this world here, Mike. We already know the skills of Ricky Tiedemann. But man, the fact that he's staying healthy right now for a stretch is really nice to see.
1: Yeah, I've actually been waiting all season to talk about my boy Ricky Tiedemann. We, we finally have a big enough sample size to take a look at how he's doing. You know, he's still building up his arm with shorter outings, but he struck out all nine batters he faced in his three inning stint in double A last start. And for those who are unaware, you know, Tiedemann went on the aisle back in early May with a biceps inflammation, just not exactly the type of injury you would keep a pitcher sideline for months. But I think the Blue Jays are being extremely cautious bringing him back. And I kind of understand it considering. You know, it it was his throwing arm, and he's never cracked 100 innings as a pro. Going back a bit, he he was originally signed in the third round in 2021 out of junior college. He's 6'4", 220. He's got that prototypical size I like to see. He's listed with a double-plus fastball, plus slider, plus changeup with average command. His fastball sits in the mid-90s, averaged about 96 last start and topped out near 98 his low 80 slider should be a big weapon and his changeup projects as his best pitch and maybe one of the best changeups in the minors there's still room room for improvement with the command but i suspect that will come with his maturity. and he doesn't seem like a pitcher that has massive control issues to me so essentially you're looking at a hard throwing lefty with good size and 3 plus to double plus pitches and looking back at his breakout season he had a 2 1 7 ERA 0 88 whip 117 K's across three levels and in 78 innings. Ultimately, he was one of those rare teenagers that made it up to double a never looked out of place from a dy- dynasty perspective. I've talked at length about the risk reward involved with pitchers and many of them failed to live up to expectations. Others emerged from the shadows with no fanfare, but we've seen the top pitching prospect fond before. We've also seen the risk pop up with Tiedemann himself, but pitching still half the game we play. So Anyone who can consistently identify quality pitchers has a huge edge on their competition. In my view, this is one of the top two or three pitchers in the minors. And I wouldn't argue with anyone who has a number one. The combination of size, age, level, athleticism and stuff's just all very appealing. I'm all in on Tiedemann. I think he's a fantastic trade target right now. I fully expect him to be in the majors next year, probably holding his the own. There are mm-hmm. only a handful of pitching prospects I would make like a concerted effort to add to my teams, even if it meant paying up and Tiedemann's one of them. I don't have questions about the talent. It's simply a matter of staying healthy. And I could see even, even see targeting him late and later in draft and holds next year, his innings will probably be monitored, but I expect his per game production will be off the charts. You know, I might even say like along the lines of Yuri Perez this year, you know, this is one of those rare pitchers I feel comfortable putting future ACE label on. And and I think he may end up as an early to mid round pick and redraft in the not too distant future.
0: You love to hear that Ricky Tiedemann flat out stud and, Hopefully, we'll see him a lot more at the big league level next year. Some notable promotions over the last week. Not as many, obviously, as we get more down here to the end of the season. Uh, But Emerson Hancock topping the list for the Seattle Mariners. Had a pretty decent debut for them as well. Curtis Mead for the Tampa Bay Rays has mixed in and gotten some starts. And Weston Wilson of the Philadelphia Phillies also got the call over the last week here. Let's look at our prospect watch and players that are in the lower levels of the minors that we have our eye on. And kicking things off here, Vinny, with Samuel Zavala of the San Diego Padres, who have been doing a good job building back up their farm system. 19 years of age, eight in uh, a ball this season, 420 plate appearances, a 266 batting average, 413 OBP, 438 slug, 12 Hummers, 64 RBIs, 18 steals. A lot of good numbers here, 18.8% walk rate as well. The Padres, like I just mentioned, I think have done a really good job. Obviously, they've made a ton of trades to acquire a lot of Major League talent, but they've been sneaking up and also doing a good job with some of the the players they have in their farm system here. And Samuel Zavala is one of those guys.
2: Yeah, Zavala, you know, he's been a big name in the dynasty spear. You know, for a couple years now, you know, he had a very good 2021 season in the DSL. Followed it up with coming over in 2022 had a little sample size of the uh, rookie league. And then they sent him straight off to low A and he held his own there as a, you know, a 17 year old that turned 18 like his second week there. But this year, you know, picked up right where he left off, doing a little better. Um, If we're talking about just project uh, like his tools, like we're talking about a plus hit tool and we're starting to see him start tapping to some power. Like, uh, and I know Ross Jensen of uh, Scout Statline is not going to be happy I'm talking about him because we're trying to keep him on the low, but <laughs> his July in general was absolutely mind-boggling when you look at it. We're talking about he put up a 316 average, 481 OBP, and a 618 slugs, six home runs, 19 RBIs, 26 walks to 22 strikeouts. On top of that, five doubles. You know, we look at this, his uh, performance in low A going all the way back from May. We're looking at a steady increase of production. I'm kind of surprised that he did not get called up before uh, Ethan Salas. Because they've pretty much, you know, they've been performing equally the same. But, you know, Salas does have the two-year advantage on him. But Zavala, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get the bump here to high A Fort Wayne in the next couple of weeks. But this is a guy that I think we're going to start, you know, we're going to start seeing his name thrown into some top 100 contention here in the off season. Cause you know, he, he has struck out a hundred and what was it, 112 times this year, but he's also walked 82 times. So it's not that big of a concern. And if he cuts that down, even five, 10%, we're looking at a stud in the making. Plus, you know, the uh, batted ball data is also up too. Like the exit velocities are up in the past couple months too. Like everything is looking all the signs are pointing up for this kid. And, you know, I think he needs to be challenged. So I would love to see him in Fort Wayne. But this is a guy that you know, I don't know how much people are still invested in him in Dynasty because he's been a hot commodity the past couple of years, but really kind of plateaued this year and a uh, little bit of, uh, prospect fatigue, but I would make I would make an effort to go and try and either acquire him or go pick him up off of the waiver wire.
3: Vinny, can I put you on the spot real quick? Sure. All right, I got three guys for you. I want I want you to rank them for me. One, two, three. Uh, uh, Zavala here's. Um, then we'll go Gabby Gonzalez and
2: Miguel Blyce. Okay, I would go Gabby Gonzalez one. I'd go Zavala two and then Blyce three.
3: All right, let's 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 try that again. Let's try it again. All <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. I have a, I have a little rivalry in, in my Dynasty League where we each have one of those guys. I'm sure you can guess who my guy is. So I'm very disappointed to hear you put Blyce third, but all th- three young and exciting guys. It, it, it looked like, uh, Michael, you may have had a comment on.
1: Yeah, I just want to throw in. I've talked with Dylan White from Baseball America about Zavala specifically, and he projects players out by their age and level and stuff how they how they'll translate to the majors and he thinks he's going to be a 30 home run hitter in the major leagues
2: wow. yeah like looking at the data like I'm even with like the newest update from like pipeline in America the past like week like I'm surprised we haven't seen the power grade go up because the amount of extra base hits and some of these EVs that are coming out of Lake Eisenhower, they're pretty eye-popping to the point where I think 55 power is pretty much here and we're gonna start seeing it really develop here either later this year or next year in general.
0: I would like to interrupt prospect talk for one thing that's very important. Chris Sale is through three innings. Can you guess? Has any of you guys seen his line? <laughs> I have not looked.
1: Uh five strikeouts, no hits.
0: Did you look or are you guessing?
1: I'm guessing, but that's also wishful thinking because I have him in my lineup on the main event. You are like psychic because he has Five strikeouts and no hits. Let's go. Yeah, I, just to talk about, I just have
2: to talk bad about Chris Sale. I just, thought,
1: I just thought, what would good Chris Sale be doing right now? So Three three in innings, does.
0: five strikeouts, 36 pitches. Efficient, too.
3: While we're on Chris Sale, I, I, let's give Vinny, Vinny his props. Michael brought up an often injured lefty, and Vinny said nothing about Chris Sale. So, <laughs> there we good go. Good work, Vinny.
0: You know what look really bad is if he blows up the rest of his outing, and we're <laughs> chasing it right now. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. No,
3: he's a yellow sock. It won't happen. Right. So this, he, it is his first
1: start back, so he's only gonna go five or six at the max.
0: Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh yeah. He might even be done already. I'm not sure how many pitches he's at, but I think I read that he was gonna go like sixty because that, that's what he was in his his uh, last rehab
1: outing.
2: Yeah, because if he goes sixty one, he's back on six
1: Yeah, Mindy, I think Mindy just said he's at thirty six or thirty eight. So oh yeah,
0: okay, yeah. yeah. Five innings definitely in play.
3: Let's All do
1: right. it.
0: Back to prospects at hand, Cole Young of the Seattle Mariners, shortstop prospect. Between A and High A this season, 492 plate appearances, a 281 batting average, 9 homers and 21 stolen bases. Got a higher walk rate than Kire, which you always love to see. And Cole Young is definitely somebody that I do not remember us talking about too much here on the show, obviously in this section especially. I know we always go deep and we bring up a lot of different guys here, Mike. So for myself and anybody else that has not heard of Cole Young, what type of player is he?
1: Well, yeah, we actually have talked about Cole Young on the show before, but at this stage, I could say that about most prospects, you know, Fair enough. yes, ourselves and our guests essentially have the task of uncovering breakouts before they gain mainstream appeal. So it's inevitable. We'll revisit some of them. I didn't have a rookie ball guy this week that I wanted to cover that I'm enamored with. So I decided to dig around an A ball to see how things were shaping up. And it was cool to see a lot of the players we have covered in the section kind of, still doing well, and some of them being promoted. Young is listed with an above average hit tool, average raw power, and average speed. So you could see how someone who relies heavily on scouting grades may have less than excited target when he was available in FIPDs because he doesn't have any plus tools. Generally, I'm the type who who will not target prep players in FIPDs that don't have a plus tool. Across the board, above average is probably the main exception, but this is, this is just another example or a lesson of how scouting grades can be inaccurate for young players with limited data. Essentially, we're taking the word of scouts, but I'm finding it's, it doesn't always translate to how they play in games. So I'm also not a scout, but I think Young's playing like a full grade above in every facet of his game of where he's listed at. So I'd like to see him maintain his power gain he's showing in high, but I think he's got a plus hit tool. Maybe he could get to above average raw power in his prime above average speed. And that sounds like a nice route, well-rounded prospect. I actually just picked him up in a competitive 12 team dynasty league. So this one's a little hits home more than a little usual. Like I play this league with people like Rob DiPietro, Ryan Venancio. So it's like a really good gauge for me for when prospects take a leap into a higher tier. Essentially once a, once a player below double A has been added in this league by highly skilled players who generally lean towards proximity. That's my sign that they're emerging into a top prospect you know i added for reference i added junior Caminero last season under the similar circumstances not i'm not suggesting this he has the same level of upside but the situation's the same he's basically gone from a second third round fipd pick to the type of prospect that's going to be rostered in all leagues in the matter of 6 months uh, essentially players like this are a good example of why we do the show vinny selected young in our fipd mock this winter ahead of where he was ranked i brought him up again in our first show of the season and at the time he was showing early signs but was still well outside the top 100 lists as it stands he's currently sitting inside the top 50 on rotowire he's listed as the top prospect in the mariners organization ahead of gabriel gonzalez and harry ford and so that's quite a rise from a prep shortstop who didn't have any plus tools when he's drafted i just hope a few people out there listening were able to add him adam early
0: yeah Uh,
1: Do
3: you expect he will uh, stick at shortstop or is this someone in a league like yours where you're kind of planning, you're considering proximity. You're probably planning out your positions more carefully. Is this, you're expecting him at second or short?
1: For now, I think he's shortstop. I, I, I do think second base could happen, but I don't think it's because he's not capable of handling shortstop. I think it's just wherever the team needs him at the time when he's ready to play.
0: All right. Um, That is Cole Young of the Seattle Mariners. Let's go to our last section of the week, which is our who's next players. At this point, we think will be next for the call up. Picro Armstrong, it is your time. According to Vinny, Chicago Cubs need to see what they have in this young player. Who's switched time between a couple organizations here between double A and triple A this year, 282 batting average, 518 slug, 16 homers, 29 stolen bases, I definitely think he's getting called up this year, Vinny. I'm just worried, and I know obviously for this section we have to pick somebody. I'm worried it's it's all at this point the rookie manipulation game that they're going to wait until closer to the end of the month so he doesn't exhaust his eligibility. But no doubt this man deserves it.
2: Yeah, man. Pete Crow Armstrong is really looking like a stud. Like If we're talking about outfielders for the past couple of years, I'm not saying he's on the Corbin Carroll type of level. But I don't think we've seen a prep, a prep outfielder like this make the kind of strides he has. Like, you know, coming out of the draft back in twenty, he was a hit tool, pretty much praying for power. The power's here. The power has arrived. We saw it early or uh, late last year, early this year, and he just hits so well, and he's so good defensive. Like he's he's a lock for gold at least a gold glove in like the next 2-3 years like his defense is spectacular i'm pretty sure if you look all the way all the publications they all have him as a 70 field you know 60 arm like he is going to be the future center fielder of the chicago cubs like there's no doubt about that the one thing that really is uh, i don't think is getting talked enough is that his performance against the tack ball in double a earlier this year he put up a 286 average against the tack ball we're talking this is supposed to help pitchers this is where we saw the best evs so far of the year from him is against this tack ball you know he's you know we're i think a week and a half of him in triple a right now he already has i think two home runs but if we're talking about the Cubs getting a little crazy here for the September call up maybe even I don't know a playoff push like Pedro Armstrong's a nice bench bat that can service in the outfield and could be very lethal on the bases. Like, I'm not saying he plays the playoffs with the Cubs if they get there big F. <laughs> but like he's one of these assets that you know, if if they need someone to fill some holes for the postseason, don't be surprised. Like I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see him for September. Like after they they get past, we're not gonna lose the chance of him getting us a first round pick next year.
3: I, I've I got two can. comments, two comments, and this is where my this is where my inner troll is coming out. Maybe some fighting back against some some uh, Vinny's trolling earlier, but one sounds like he's just a Rafaela wannabe. But he, he can't even play short, so I don't know if if he he can comp to Rafaela there, Vinny. But uh, Rafaela's you know bet elite d- defensive center fielder, elite defensive shortstop, tapping into some power at AAA.
2: Come on, it's a good comp, right? I can kind of see that, but I think. I think we're if we're talking about Armstrong in general, just his ability to control the plate and control at bats is more is better than Rafaela. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously (laughs) kidding. uh,
3: Pete Crow Armstrong has a way better hit tool than Rafaela, who uh, has some swing and miss in his game. My my other comment is I uh, I'm going to make this prediction right here. I think we're going to see. Uh, Jonathan Perlaza, I believe his name is before we see Pete Crow Armstrong. I think the Cubs are going to do something a little annoying like that.
2: I think Perlaza is not on the 40 man, so I don't, you
3: are right, actually. I, okay, yeah,
2: yeah, I don't think that <laughs> happens, but you know, starting off next year, I would not rule out a potential battle for the break of camp between him and Owen Casey. But my comp your...
1: for my comp for Pete Crow Armstrong. If he works out in the path he's on is Michael Harris,
2: yes, that's all that's a
3: pretty awesome mm. path to be on. Two, two Rafael wannabes. What, real real quick, going Vinny, going back to your comment, you're saying it's going to be uh, Perlaza versus um, who did you say at camp next year? Are you talking? No, to it's going to be Crow Armstrong?
2: Crow Armstrong and Owen Casey. Battling. Okay. Wow, okay, if you know, this is all speculative too, like the Cubs can go in. You know, make uh, three, you know, useless uh, offseason acquisitions to block Matt Mervis. Do the same thing with PCA. But their stats this year have been absolutely astronomical. And I'm saying like this whole tackball stat little debacle we had in the first half of the season. I think we need to do a little bit more deep dive into that because there's some players that I think are being undervalued right now that really succeed against something to help pitchers
0: fair enough all right then let's go to our last player of the night the other player on the verge here xavier edwards of the miami Marlins, second base and outfield eligible 24 years old in AAA. 367 438 475 triple slash six homers and 30 steals 11.2 percent walk rate to a minuscule 5.7 percent k rate mike i can already tell the type of player he is and it seems like he'd fit real in, in real well with the Miami Marlins.
1: Yeah, so before I get started, I say this probably every week, but your guess is as good as mine about who's going to be promoted. I considered, you know, talking about Raphael, I considered Mason Wynn, Michael Bush, but we've covered them all more. I dug a little bit deeper and found one of my boys from two, three years ago. I was pretty high on, you know, I considered him basically a less costly Vidal Brujan back in the day. And at, when, at the time, he was in the Rays organization. I hadn't quite come to grips that he may not like crack their deep platoon heavy lineup, but fast forward to present day, he's playing well in AAA in a less deep Marlins organization. There's actually a few things that reignited my interest in him, so I'm happy about this pick this week. Uh, I'll start with scouting grades. There, these are some of the most fun scouting grades I've ever come across this season. He's listed with a 65 grade hit tool. I'm not even sure what that's called, but somewhere between plus and double plus. And as you can see on the screen. With that 5.7K percentage, I won't disagree with that. He he also has 20-grade game power, so as close to zero power as you can get and double-plus speed. He's also a switch hitter, so outside of the complete lack of power, there's actually like a roto-friendly skill set in his game if he's able to break his way into a regular job, which is ultimately the question. Will the Marlins accept no power from him in order to get his elite contact speed and defensive versatility in the lineup? Last year, Edwards made an attempt to get to more power, he had the highest ISO of his career, but it was barely over 100, and his strikeout rate spiked. This year, his minimal power gains have remained, but he's also incorporated the elite contact skills. So essentially, we're seeing what Xavier Edwards is right now. He's he's never going to be a power threat. We could be talking about like D. Gordon-level power, where he'll, he'll never crack double-digit homers. And to some people in certain types of league, that's very little interest. But deeper competitive road leagues where players with a good average and ability to steal bases are coveted. I can see him being a popular speed option for teams that need steals and can afford to take the hit and power. It's not a perfect comp, but someone like G1 Bay this year for the pirates, I believe he had two home runs, 20 steals and had him as a mainstay in the, in lineups. Basically, as I've said before, this is a nice little trip down memory lane for me, you know, in all the, all the, like a, chaos over the last couple years Edwards has kind of began to slip under the radar for me and a lot a lot of interest has been lost for people because he isn't going to develop the power but we're talking about a player who's played his se- most of the season as age 23 in AAA. he's batting 367 with 30 steals under 6 percent k rate in the defensive versatility play outfield and infield ultimately his value is going to come down to what kind of role he has in the future it could be anywhere from a leadoff hitter with a helpful average and a bunch of runs and steals to a multi-position type utility player to a bench bat that pinch runs and comes in late in games. But basically I think he ends up being a useful piece in Rota leagues if he's given enough playing time. We'll be excited to see that if he does get that opportunity. Uh, But another great list of players
0: you guys went through tonight. Um, Any parting thoughts for our audience before we get ready to wrap up the episode tonight, gentlemen?
2: sounds like Xavier Edwards paired with uh, the organization he's in. It sounds like uh, they have the uh, next Juan Pierre in the make.
0: Nah, I love it. This nostalgia. It's beautiful. Juan Pierre was like my favorite player. He was like one of the first players I remember growing up watching when he was on the Marlins. Him, like Josh Beckett, like that whole Marlins team.
2: Yeah, I remember he had a, I think, I was either a one or two year stint with the Cubs too. And I remember he was like our big player for a few years.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was fast. The nostalgia Mm -hmm. is real. If you guys are enjoying the nostalgia, if you're enjoying the fantastic player breakdown that these guys are giving you and giving you the inside track on getting guys early in your dynasty leagues, make sure you guys like the video and are subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. Hit the bell so you never miss when we are going to drop an episode into your feed. And if you want to make sure you follow these guys on Twitter, Vinny is at down on the farm. Eight Mike is at MP Richards, 1981. And Josh is at UT streamer. Make sure you follow all of them for a bunch of great fantasy takes and, uh, for prospect stuff and Josh for Boston Red Sox. Don't follow me. Don't follow me. (laughs) Um, And make sure you guys check out all the other great baseball stuff going on on the Triple Play Network. We've got the Fantasy Baseball Podcast, the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show there as well, and also the uh, Fantasy Baseball Beat, which is another great baseball podcast. But for Mike, for Josh, and Vinny, I'm David, we'll catch you guys next week on The Call-Up.